Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever it is that you are, and welcome to Living Your Juiciest Life Ever. The Juiciest Life Ever is where we have amazing conversations with women and men that are coming from a place of selfless to self-full, self-loathing to self-love, or from living someone else's journey to stepping into their own unique voice and expression and living their version of Juicy. Now sharing that journey to inspire you and elevate your belief that you can too. Thank you so much for being here. And I'd love to, I'm excited and honored to welcome, I want to say Miss Kirsten Fry. I don't know <laughs> why that is, but it just came to my mind to, <laughs> and I guess I I gonna, I'll get an answer to that somewhere. But we've actually been trying to have a conversation for quite a while. And so this is the beginning of a conversation that I think is going to continue for a long time to come. But let me tell you a little bit about her. She is a transformational life coach, and she specializes in the grief recovery method. Kirsten's desire to help people started with a career in law enforcement for 17 years. Her passion for health and fitness led to a rewarding career shift as a personal trainer and holistic nutritionist for several years. Her personal evolution continued with certifications in coaching, Reiki, and then grief recovery. Today, Kirsten supports women moving through the natural changes, transitions, and loss in life in as healthy and wholehearted way as possible allowing them to move forward with greater peace and emotional freedom and to create a life that they love. <laughs> so welcome, Kirsten. Thank you so much for taking the time out. Oh, my goodness. Thanks so much for the invitation. I'm so excited to talk to you today, Kate. It's been a long time. It has. And I, I mean, I just discovered that you actually do grief recovery. And I, this is such an important time it's always an important time but the last couple of years must be a very different couple of years than it was before that for you as well as of course everyone else oh a hundred percent um the pandemic just amplified a lot of situations for people that may have been simmering or there might have been little cracks in the foundation whether that's personally professionally from a health or financial perspective and relationships and I find that um, COVID really just did amplify things for people. And so I think we're seeing that socially as well now. Yeah, there's so much psychological impact, emotional impact. I'd actually, this is a great opportunity to talk about that because I think often, especially women, uh, I think, I mean, I, I, of course it's everyone, but especially for women is that we... Um, it's because it's in our nature to nurture and take care of others. We often don't address our own emotions that have laid in wait for us for a long time. So in that space, even outside of the last two years, but can maybe we could talk a little bit about the grieving process and grief and the different ways that it shows up and then plays out. Yeah, <laughs> I know that it's a massive, a very big, it's, it yeah. is truly massive, but I, you know what, I love the fact that you're even open to having the conversation because what's so interesting is that even though we are having better conversations around mental health, around grief and loss, uh, like these are things that these were not conversations that I had growing up. This was not taught to me in school in any way, shape or form. Um, we just sort of learn through our own life experiences based on the information that we receive from our parents growing up, our teachers, uh, people around us. And, you know, some of that has been actually misinformation that really hasn't helped us to be resilient and help us cope through these natural and normal experiences that we're going to have as part of our human experience here, uh, walking the planet. And so mm -hmm. 
Um, it's been so fascinating to me that it's still a really misunderstood topic of conversation. It's one that people are still really uncomfortable having. And yet we're seeing what the impact is, is when we don't talk about these things is that people feel very isolated. They feel very alone. And, um, and that's not necessarily the truth of the matter, but how else would you know? Right. So there is a lot of misinformation that we've grown up with. And one of the things that I really like to start with first is just like, what is grief? Right. And yeah. I think most of us understand grief as being like the normal and natural reaction that we have to a loss of any kind, but there are more than 40 life experiences that can create feelings of grief. And this is where I think people misunderstand because naturally we attribute grief to things like death and divorce. But what about things like the pandemic and everything that we just went through here, right? And uh, what about retirement, getting married, having children, like anytime we're moving through a shift or a transition, or there's a change. And that's why the second definition around grief that we use in grief recovery is, I think was the most impactful for me is that it's all the conflicting emotions that we have, when there's an end of or a change in our familiar patterns of behavior. And so just think about like all the changes that we've all been through in these last two years and not having access to the normal rituals and rites and ceremonies that we would have to help us transition through these different changes that we have in our lives. Yeah. Well, that's, that's actually a, a very, it's, it's so good to encompass that. And I think the reason that it struck me as much as it has is because of the time that we've been going through and also going through a move and I used to move a lot in my life. So I never thought for me that it was a big deal. And the transition that my husband and I made has impacted me a lot more. And so I think that it's a much fresher conversation because regardless of where people have been the last couple of years, they've gone through change. You know, we like to call it pivot to say something graceful, but how about, the train just went off the bridge. <laughs> it's like what? For some people, it true. It did really. It honestly. did. Like, well, I had on, five, on all I, levels, right? I had five things that I lost last year. Yeah. So my husband said it was five. I haven't gone back to count them. <laughs> yeah, there might be more. <laughs> no, I was going to say I think there's less, but <laughs> he was trying to make a point. So, um, in the space of grief. Uh, wow. That you've experienced in the last couple of years. Um, I'm sure that your business has gotten much busier because people are really struggling to manage with a lot of things. Is that true for you? I would say yes. And more so now, because before, even when I first um, incorporated grief, the grief recovery method is one of the things that I provide in my coaching um, people still really didn't understand what it was. And I can't blame them because before I did my own deep dive into my own grief work, I had never heard of the grief recovery method either. And so it was one of these things where I have to make sure that people truly understand that what I do is not therapy or counseling. I'm not a therapist or a counselor, but I am a coach mm -hmm. that has been certified in the grief recovery method through the grief recovery Institute in the United States. And this program has been around for over 40 years. Wow. Um, it was developed by a griever for grievers and everyone that, um, that offers the program has been through the program themselves multiple times. In fact, I continue to use the program to this day for anything that tends to come up now. It helps us, you have these tools to take with you moving forward in life. So it just helps. And again, it might not be the end all and be all for everyone. And I'm not suggesting that it is, mm -hmm. um, but it's an extra tool for the toolbox. And our toolbox when it comes to grief and loss is woefully empty. And so yeah. I think any, having anything that can provide us with a little bit of structure and some understanding and discovery around some of the misinformation that we've learned about grief growing up and how some of those things, while well-meaning and well-intentioned, haven't really been helpful. They haven't been emotionally helpful for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So what are the six myths of grief? Mm, it's a good question. And so, and these are ones that I think we learn very early on, like as young children. So the first one would be um, that uh, to 
replace the loss. We hear this a lot. The first one is actually don't feel sad. Don't feel bad. Mm. So we hear this often, right? Where it's like, because parents or people in, um, that have agency over their children, we don't want to see our kids hurting or in pain or suffering or anything else like that. So it's like, it's okay. Don't feel sad. Don't feel bad. Um, You know, here's a cookie kind of thing, or, you know, the next myth, which is replacing the loss. So for example, a lot of times the first experience that children will have with grief is a loss of a pet. And so it's like, don't feel sad. Don't feel bad. You know, we'll go get a new kitty or a new puppy or whatever the case may be. And so while it's well-meaning and well-intentioned, the fact is, is that the child and other members of the family do feel bad. They do feel sad that this relationship that they had with the pet, and for some of us, that can be really powerful in terms of unconditional love with our pets. Um, And then when that pet is no longer with us, we miss them. And we have these naturally occurring emotions that are going to happen. Um, but I know growing up for us, we didn't talk about our feelings. We, it was this, like, you just sort of, you know, dealt with it, move on, pick up and like, here we go. Right. Um, and so it teaches us Mm -hmm. that what I'm actually feeling in the moment isn't okay. Or that people are telling me that I should feel different. So something's wrong with the way that I'm feeling right now. Mm -hmm. And so we learn how to either suppress it, bury it, deny it, um, blunt it with some other kind of activity like food, which ends up being becoming a problem for a lot of people throughout life as a coping mechanism. Uh, And then as we get into adults, we use other um, things to also help us cope with the uncomfortable feelings or painful feelings that we have coming through. Replacing the loss, we see that a lot, like I said, with pets. And then also in young love, like when we have that first heartbreak with Mm. a boyfriend or girlfriend, and, you know, people tell us like, you know, there's plenty of fish in the sea. I mean, there's an app named for that for crying out loud. Tell my uh, husband and know. I met. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Right. And it, it's the whole, like, he wasn't good enough for you. She wasn't good enough for you. Like all that kind of thing, which may or may not be true. It may or may not be factually true, but it's not emotionally helpful in the moment. And that's the thing is that grief isn't logical. It's emotional. So when we try to use our head to logic our way out of it or come to an understanding of it, it's the wrong tool for the job. So what happens is that we adapt to the changing situation, the Mm -hmm. loss of a loved one, a pet, you know, loss of a job, our health situation shifting or changing. We adapt to that, but it doesn't mean that we've healed from that. And that's where sometimes we can run into that down the road because grief compounds. When it's not addressed. Yes. And so then, okay, so t- talk, talk, talk a little bit to that. For so what happens with, with our emotions, when we aren't emotionally complete with a loss that we've experienced, and it doesn't, it could be a transition and a, a life change that we've had. Mm-hmm. But if we haven't become emotionally complete with that, and, and sometimes we naturally are complete, it's fine. Like we've actually worked through it. And We've sat with our emotions and we're okay with it. Other things we aren't. And what happens is when we're emotionally incomplete with a situation, those emotions, as you know, emotions are energy and motion. They're meant to move through us. And when we don't allow that, when we suppress them or deny them or bury them or do whatever we do, like, and we get really good at finding all the things to like shove them right down, right? I'm going to sit on that. That's not going to come up at all. But what (laughs) happens is that grief accumulates. And so those emotions, if they're not allowed to move through us, will, it's like the steam coming out of a kettle, right? If we stop or up that kettle, it's not going to whistle and it's a big buildup of energy and that energy is going to leak out somewhere. And mm-hmm. what happens is often for us, it can leak out in our relationships, in our health. We see this a lot with people coming, um, having illnesses and um, accidents and things like that. Things will come out you know, it will relieve itself in a way. And sometimes it comes out in a way that we don't expect it. So maybe we have a bigger reaction, emotional reaction to something that happens that seems out of context for what's actually happened, but it's all the other unresolved losses that Mm -hmm. it's just like one on top of another until the straw breaks the camel's back. And then there's some kind of emotional upheaval that comes with that. Yeah. It's, like, it's so interesting um, 
it's not just in grief, but just as far as anything in life that we don't complete in some way or resolve in some way that it's like, it's the, the gentle knock that comes at the door first, you need to address this. Uh -uh. And then it gets a little louder and then there's more gets a little louder and then there's more. And that just kind of continues until oftentimes there's a bit of a crisis or a big crisis that happens. True. And then we're, and then we're thrown into that place of, Oh my God, what do I do now? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's through no one's fault because again, we weren't given these tools, right? So like it starts with don't feel sad, don't feel bad. It starts with replacing the loss. Then we hit the two that like I held on to for like a big part of my life, which was to grieve alone and be strong. Cause we hear that all the Mm -hmm. time. People say to us, you're so strong. You're so strong. You've got to be strong for the children. You know, you got to be strong for your mom, like all these things. And it's like, but what if I don't actually feel strong in this moment? So now I have to put on a facade of feeling a way that I don't actually feel, or I can't actually ask for the support and care and compassion and love that I need in this particular moment, because I have to be strong for everyone else. Mm -hmm. And so I don't actually like that whole be strong because we can't be strong all the time. We are as human beings, of course, we're resilient and we have strength and, you know, resiliency within us, but it's oftentimes like being brave and it's a small shift in languaging, but I really feel like it's an important one because grief is, can feel scary because again, it's not something that we've discussed. We don't talk Mm -hmm. about it often. And so honestly, like the way that I like to talk about it now, grief is just the other side of love. And so, you know, you can't really have one without having the other. We're going to experience both of those things in our lifetime as human beings. It just is, but we hear so much about the positivity and thinking positive and all of those things, which I love. And I think is amazing, but Mm -hmm. we also have to honor those times when we are going through the darkness, when we're moving through tunnels of shifting and changing. And what does that mean for us? Mm -hmm. Because it's not just the physical loss of the job or the person or our pets or anything else like that. It's the relationship we have to those things and those people. So for example, like my husband at the beginning of COVID retired after a 31 year career in policing. And, you know, there had been this big plan to have a big retirement party with another colleague who was, who he had worked with his entire career. And, you know, all these plans that were made that didn't get to happen because of COVID. And so all this stuff got mailed to him, like 31 years in the same position. And then this year, our son graduated from university, same thing. So all through his schooling career and his degree got mailed to him. No ceremony, no walking across the stage, no getting your diploma from your professor, like all of these sort of rites and rituals that we expect that help us be emotionally complete, allow those things to come to a natural end, to share stories, to receive, you know, celebration or care support as we move through some of these changes that we all need as human beings, because we are trying. It's, it's a sense of closure. Yeah. And for us in grief recovery, we talk about being complete because closure for a lot of people feels yeah, like a period, a like it's the end, complete. right? And then it's yeah. over. Whereas relationships with people, they may not be with us, but that love doesn't die. That relationship Mm -hmm. and like them carrying on forward with us, like wishing that, you know, your father could be here for Christmas, like the holidays are coming up. And this can be typically a really tough time for people, especially who have experienced loss in the last year or so, where it's like, those people are not with them. Now, the usual traditions that we would have for family celebrations are going to look different now, because that person's no longer with us. And so it's acknowledging that and still being able to find joy in the moments that you're sharing with family, but it's okay to talk about the person that's missed, or maybe, um, you know, a new tradition that you set to honor the ones that are no longer with us, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it can be done in so many, many different ways. And everybody's unique. And that's the thing, like you and I, Kate, we could go through a similar loss experience. But our experiences will be completely unique to us. So I always use this example, for example, say both your mother and my mother have passed away. Mm -hmm. But say you have this really loving, close relationship with your mom. And I had a really difficult, fractious relationship with mine. So yes, we both have experienced the loss of our mothers, 
but it's a totally different grieving experience. And mm-hmm. you can have that within families because again, everybody's relationship is unique to each other. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And speaking of that, <laughs> that was a, a, a really great um, opening to uh, understanding. I, I, I have been finding, finding that there's so many people that are sharing the conversations or communications we never learned to have because our parents didn't know how to have them. And so we find ourselves uh, at some point in time in our life that we have uh, a, uh, a lack of skill and knowledge in difficult areas. And so it's great that we now have these wonderful specific coaching arenas and things that have been developed to really help us through that. So I want to start talking more about Kirsten now and your Ooh, life okay. and your journey. <laughs> and I want to get back to that. This is super important. And I'm so grateful that this is something that you do because this is such important work always. And even more so now there's, you know, I'm now hearing a whole bunch of the psychological conversations as to what is going on and how it's impacting us on so many different levels. So there's a really big conversation we could have there for a long time. (laughs) So we're going to get to you. And so the conversation, um, including the whole grieving thing, but just in, in life in general, because this is about getting to that juicy place in your life. And you've gone through a lot of things. So you spent 17 years uh, in the law enforcement. That's correct. So that in it would be a whole other amazing conversation also to have for sure. Cause there would have been a big change there when you left that. Yes. And yes, the experience indeed. in it. And, and that must've been how your husband and you met. Is that so? Yes. Okay. Very cool. So in the space of being a woman, because it is our nature to nurture and take care of things, uh, which is a, like a covering to all of these things that we don't necessarily address and why they, they bubble and come to the surface at some point in time uh, in our lives, which very often carries anger, resentment, all of those things. And then we start to really discover who we are and what we want. <laughs> yes. So when you were in the space of that nature to nurture and perhaps giving too much in your life and neglecting yourself in the process, can you describe how you felt during that time? So I have discovered because And you don't pick up on it right away. Like when I was younger, I never really kind of tapped into it. It was just like, I would notice I was feeling off, but now I know when it's happening. So it's easier for me to, to recognize it when it does. So I call it being crunchy. I love that word. (laughs) I know because like I'm crunchy. And, and for me, what that represents is like, I, when I start to feel like that, because it's always half, it's precipitated before every major change I've ever made. So it's this sense of like restlessness that I've had. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's been resentment, but usually it's like impatience. It shows up as impatience for me. Um, and kind of like short, like I get snippy sometimes and for no apparent reason. So there's no like real sort of thing in my face, but it's just like, I can feel that I'm impatient. I'm a little bit curt, like shorter than normal. Um, and sometimes like resentful a little bit. And that's when I know it's like, oh, so something is off. I'm not really in alignment with where I need to be. Either I've been outputting too much mm-hmm. and it's time that I need to back it up and just balance that out with some care for myself. Um, because it's important to me to be a contribution. Like that I believe that's like one of the reasons why I'm here. And I've been that throughout my life in various ways. Um, and now I realize like to be able to extend this and be able to do this for many, many, many more years, we need to take care of ourselves to do that. And that's not at the, it's not at our detriment where we have to go, you know, through a breakdown to have a breakthrough. And I've learned now, like I've gotten off this like roller coaster, which I was on maybe earlier in my lifetime. And now it's very much more like, this is sort of the pace where I'm looking for, where 
you know, I don't take the big detour off the path anymore. It's like a couple of steps and something doesn't feel right. And it's like, okay, go use your tools to get back on track with your own alignment about what's important for you. And what does it mean to show up authentically in your life and be the kind of person that I want to be for my family and my friends and my, and my clients that I work with. Mm -hmm. It's a great awareness. Uh, it's, I think it's a very common thing that we're not, we're so busy getting things done and being, I like to call it officious in our life. <laughs> it's uh, a great word. Cause the way that our brains work as far as women is concerned and everything being connected to everything uh, is that we, we just, it's like getting through the day, you know? And then when we finally sit down and relax, we kind of go, <laughs> like, what just happened? So yeah. getting to that place in our lives, is so juicy. I have to use that word because now, as opposed to having that breakdown to break through, you can go, oh, I'm starting to feel, feel irritated. I mean, you just gave me a great gift because I believe that my pattern is very similar to that. There's something mm. that's out of balance. And I love that you're choosing to take that and say, I need to amp up my self-care. Because you're probably in that back into that officious state of getting, you know, going through oh, life, yeah. not saying that you're not enjoying it, but you're in that officious place, right? Because it's like, I got to do this, you know, and then it's like, wait a minute, why am I so irritable? So I love that. Where's the joy in that? Like, where are you finding moments of joy? Or I call them bliss moments, right? Like Mm -hmm. we all need those little moments and, you know, you don't necessarily need to run away to a retreat or go on vacation all the time. It's like, if you can build in those moments of joy, like your juicy joy moments and bliss moments, um, it helps sustain us over the long term. And it's interesting what you say about being busy, because I talk to my people a lot about this, because that is also it's something that we do over the short term to keep us. It's like an energy relieving behavior. It's we've, I think a lot of us have um, really taken on this sort of belief system that we have to be busy to be productive, that if we're not being productive, you're not worthy. Like there's all this messaging that goes around. Like you have to be the perfect mom and the perfect employer and the perfect wife or the whatever, you know, perfect is. Um, And the fact is, is that's, unsustainable and completely unrealistic. There's no such thing. I always like to say I'm perfectly imperfect. So, and this is just the way it's going to be. And always recognizing like there's more to learn. In fact, the older I get, I just celebrated my 54th birthday on Monday. Oh, happy belated birthday. Thank you so much. And what I'm learning is that the older I'm getting, the, the more I realize like, wow, I don't know anything. And I'm so excited because it just means there's so much more to get to experience. And learn and have conversations about. And I'm also really clear on like, I don't need to know all the things. Yeah. Right. So what makes me happy? What's in alignment with, with how I want to live my life and how I want to be in my life. And also being open to other people doing the same for themselves. Well, sure. Exactly. Uh, Wanting other people to be in the best place for them, not in the best place for them that I think they should be in or you think they should be in, but that's, there's, there's like this fine line in the, in the, in the coaching world. It's easy to tell people what to do because it's, it's, (laughs) it's harder to ask the right questions where the answer actually, because they know, they know what they need. And, and so people aren't used to being asked that question. We're not used to being asked that question. What do you need or what do you want? Um, I'm not really sure. (laughs) Well, I ask people like, what brings you joy? And I get a lot Mm -hmm. of blank stares. Absolutely. From my ladies and they're shocked. You can almost see the shock on the face because it's like, I, I, I don't even think I've asked myself that question ever. Yeah. That's the same question I ask. Yeah. Ask the question, right? Because again, you can't be, you can't be everything that you want to be without taking care of yourself first. And it seems like it sounds like that's a very selfish thing, but we do perceive our world as self, 
right? So of course, everybody's coming at it through their own perspective, through their own eyes. Like even with our grief, we talk about it. It's like our experiences are unique to us, even if we have similar shared experiences. That's right. And so that whole thing is just really like, so what is that like for you, right? What's coming up for you right now? And Mm -hmm. really allowing people to delve in because as soon as you start asking those questions, as opposed to like telling or fixing, like, and as mothers, you know, and women, we like to be like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna fix all the things and help all our people like be good. But nothing's broken. Nobody's broken. Nobody needs to be fixed. It's just we're moving through this life. And we're all learning in our own ways. And that includes moving through, you know, difficult situations, painful situations. Mm -hmm. And so it's just how do we do that in a way that's as healthy and wholehearted for us as possible? Yeah, it's such a beautiful opportunity that we have at this time with our evolution. And speaking of difficult times, uh, what was the the defining moment when you when you realized that something was missing in your life? What did it feel like when you made the shift? And I know we've had I know you've had a lot, you know, I mean, like us as human beings. Yeah, if you've been on the planet for a while, you're gonna have more than one of those moments. And if you're saying you haven't, well, okay. Yeah. And that's okay. And and maybe you haven't, that's good. But I think we all have a moment that was like a transformative moment for us. Mm -hmm. So probably the, I have two, one was my, my divorce from my first husband, my, my son's father, which was probably the first time where I came up against the whole be strong and grieve alone, because that rug got pulled out from underneath me. And there was multiple losses that happened during that time frame mm-hmm. where I was bottomed out. And at that time I was a police officer. So I was used to being the one that people came to for guidance. For me being strong meant if I wasn't, then where's my credibility? Like, would people feel comfortable still wanting to come to me if I had mm-hmm. moments where I felt vulnerable or emotionally like fragile? And so that situation taught me like, like it does take a village and we all need it, not just for our children, but for ourselves. Like we are tribal beings. We need that love and support, whether it comes from a bigger group, from a smaller group, maybe just a friend or two. Um, But we all need that. And even though I didn't, I wasn't aware of grief recovery at that time. For me, it really under, I was humbled by the kindness that people showed me. Like truly, truly humbled by And I don't know why I was surprised because I had done these things for people in the past, but it's like, we get so used to being the giver and it Mm -hmm. does feel good to be able to give to people that need our help and love and support at the time. Mm -hmm. But what I discovered was by not allowing people to support me or help me in moments that I needed, I was actually keeping them from having that great experience too. And it's, it's, un, it's imbalanced. It's, yeah. it's not imbalanced with that. And then probably like the most recent would have been like finding out about, um, so I just turned 54 when I was 48, I found out that I was adopted, mm-hmm. which rocked me because, um, it was a family secret our whole lives. Wow. Um, and yeah, nobody, well, the family knew, but my mom had sworn everybody to secrecy. Um, she didn't want my brother and I to know and actually swore that if anybody in the family mentioned anything to us, that she would excommunicate them from us, that they would have no relationship. So to keep a relationship with my brother and I, they chose to keep the secret, which explained a lot of things about growing up. It may, it connected some dots for me, but honestly, Kate, there was a, there were weeks of like for the first probably three weeks, I think I only told my husband and maybe one friend and the friend was probably two to three weeks after it happened. Um, which is funny because my brother told everybody. So again, talk about like how we all um, uh, take it on differently, but his relationship was different with my parents than mine was. And what I found was I went through a few weeks of like recycling all these things that I thought I had already dealt with. Like I thought I had already worked through all this stuff. I had gone through therapy. I had discussed like through my divorce, I talked about my parents and my foundational relationships. I'd done a lot of work that had healed a lot of things with my mom and I prior to her passing. But this like opened up a whole new can of worms where it was like, whoa. And what really showed up for me was that I was resentful and angry that 
our opportunity to truly be a family had been taken away mm -hmm. because of this secret. And that's the thing with secrets, like they create shame and they, they, they create barriers to the love and support that we all need. And so I was grieving the not having the family that I always wanted, that that was never allowed. Um, and so it took me some time to move through that. And I thought that I had, but 18 months after finding out about that news, I was starting to have physical manifestations. I was getting heart palpitations, chest pains that couldn't be explained through um, anything medical. And because I was a personal trainer at that time and a nutritionist, I mean, I knew my body quite well um, and couldn't explain like where this was coming from. And through this very strange set of circumstances, um, it came up that it was actually unresolved grief, not just from the uh, news about the adoption, but some of these other losses that I had had in my life that I had adapted to, but I hadn't actually emotionally healed from. Mm -hmm. And then that's what started my deep dive into my own grief recovery process. And for me, it was transformational and the tools and just learning the languaging that's been so different and these myths and misinformation that have stood in our way in a lot of ways um, mm -hmm. to actually having healthy ways of moving through grief and loss, which is again, normal and natural. We're all going to experience it as human beings. And so to be able to help people move through that, because as a transformational life coach, like I was all about like the mindset changing and vision boards and like really believing in the power of our mind to create and affect change in our lives. And I believe that, um, but I couldn't understand what was sabotaging some people or like it was showing up as sabotage or how is it that some people could manifest like all kinds of things. And some people couldn't even finish their vision board. Like what, what's, what's happening there where it's such a varying degree of things happening. And what I discovered often for me was the connection was for a lot of people, there's, they're dealing with still a lot of unresolved grief and they don't even, they don't even, they wouldn't even term it as grief. That's the thing. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, so much. Yeah. And it's, so but it's amazing there. because when we can start to work through some of these things that some of us have been holding on for a really long time, mm -hmm. that emotional energy now gets expended. It creates space, right? It's freedom. <laughs> like almost always like creates the energy. Work that we, it's it like does. pulling a and plug people, out of the drain. <laughs> and people say like, I, I feel so much lighter. It's like a weight, like it sounds so cliche, but it's true. So and true. you can actually see it. I can yeah. see it in people's demeanors and uh, how they hold themselves in their posture. And yeah, it's very interesting. Very yeah. We cool. should be teaching this in schools. There's so much that we should be teaching in schools. They've been wasting our time for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So I want to ask a question about your 17 years in the force. Um, you did that early on, I'm guessing. Yes. Yeah, I got on the police department at 21. Wow. What made you decide to be a police officer? That's my question. Uh, uh, that's a good question. It was either going to be um, policing or teaching. So wow. it's kind of funny that in a roundabout way, I'm kind of teaching now, I guess, in a way uh, with mm -hmm. the coaching thing. Um, for me, I think... As I look through all the like career changes that I've had, it's been interesting for me. Like policing was important because I, I felt like I was standing up for something. Like justice was very important to me. Um, integrity is very important to me. Um, and so like that balance and to have like to be a contribution, you know, securing the safety of our neighborhood and our communities and things like that actually meant something to me for the longest time. And I, I you don't, it's changed a lot. And um, I don't know that it would be um, something that I would choose now, but then it was amazing. And I worked with incredible, incredible people. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of situations that happen, obviously in policing that um, talk about grief. Wow. Yeah. And there's a lot more available now for uh, emergency services worker, not just in policing, but firefighters, our ambulance personnel, like we all they we all see a lot of um, trauma and situations that can be difficult to see. And so really having as many tools as possible to help 
people move through those things that they need to see through their work. Even like I look at our healthcare professionals in this last like two years with COVID. Oh, these people have really seen a lot and have dealt with a lot and have been asked for a lot mm-hmm. in these last two years. Speaking of secrets. Ooh. <laughs> oh, was that my outside voice? Oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Okay. So you spent 17 years in that space. And what was your triggering for leaving? Um, That's a good question. It was an evolution for me, for sure. I kept finding myself, the divorce switched my entire career aspiration. So I had full intentions of going an investigative route uh, in policing, that was always my career ambition to mm-hmm. move through that uh, and to be promoted through the ranks and that type of thing. When I was divorced with an infant child and my parents were in the States at the time and my ex-husband's um, family was in Montreal. So we had no um, familial help. I had amazing friends, obviously. Um but I had to make changes. I couldn't work a shift work job uh, being a single parent. And so I needed a day shift job within the police department. And so that shifted me into more like, um, more like the public service aspect of things, which was wonderful. Again, I had great experiences, but I've always ended up in like more positive areas of the police department. And uh, yeah, it was amazing. And then um, I ended up taking a course in holistic nutrition through the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. And I loved it. I was learning so much. And I had always been somebody that enjoyed the gym and that kind of thing. So it was fascinating to me, all these things that I was learning around that. Um, And so it just kind of shifted. It was a huge leap of faith, because here you're leaving like benefits and great paying job to do what, (laughs) right? So I ended up shifting into personal training and nutrition. But I mean, it was, there were sacrifices that we made as a family and always with the support. And it was wonderful. It was definitely a step in the right direction. So I feel like my journey went from sort of like a justice standing for like the community. It moved into personal training and nutrition, helping people like not just through what their bodies looked like and felt like, but also stress and sleep and holistically looking at our body and how do we take care of ourselves. And then that shift naturally ended up into like the coaching space, because I found that a lot of my clients, I was supporting them going through all these different life changes that they were having, like, you know, issues with their kids or their parents were passing away, or they were going through job changes themselves, or, you know, a lot of big life decisions that they were having. And so I was already sort of naturally coaching people through. Um, and then that's how that evolution sort of happened. So it's just been this constant evolution just for me moving forward. <laughs> yeah. And, and expanding and some, some things have contracted, other things have expanded. I will say though, that I feel like I am honoring where I need to be like Mm -hmm. following my life path with what I'm supposed to be doing. Interesting. So it's ever evolving. So it's, there's a, a trusting and an honoring of your own inner guidance. Yes. Lots of awareness. That's what I'm, I'm hearing sort of through your life that, that, really each step was like another step into another level of awareness yeah and it got to a point like the crunchy bits that we talked about before that was sort of always the indicator before the next change so now when I know I'm feeling like a restlessness it's like okay there's something I need to pay attention to here but again we we discover these things for ourselves as we start to move through life and what I find is that I don't need as much time now now it's not like I need to sit with something for like weeks or months. It can be like, oh, um, this is coming up for me. And all our emotions, like emotions are messengers, right? So if we're feeling irritated or resentful or bitter or happy or whatever the case is, it's like, okay, so what's coming up for me in this moment? It's a message that, okay, something just either is coming up to be healed or it's something for us to look at because it's a piece of the puzzle for us to move forward. Right. Beautiful, beautiful. Wow. So amazing. (laughs) And, and in all of that awareness, um, in all of that awareness, I'm there's 
something I would actually, I'm going to ask this first. I want to ask now that you've gone through all of this evolution, I mean, going from the police force for 17 years and then into the health, wellness, fitness area, then more so in the coaching level. And now you've added the grief recovery. And what do you see in the next level for you? And over the next, where are you headed to in the next one, three or five years? That so give me, question. Was- give, give me something personal. And then if you want to something on a business side of things, like whatever, uh, whatever's happening. I appreciate there. that. Yeah. And thank you for asking that. Cause I was thinking of birthdays for me are kind of like a new year. Right. So it's always like, Hmm, what's next. Right. And being right now, I feel like I'm in more of a space of it's time to just contemplate all that has happened. Gratitude uh, for what I've learned. Um, and starting to be like, hmm, what's next, but appreciating where I am. That's the thing I think we need to recognize before we're in such a hurry to keep mm. going to the next step yeah. to honor where we've been and what we've learned and gratitude and appreciation for that. And if there's grieving that needs to happen at that time too, then that's a good thing as well. Yeah. For me, moving forward on, on a personal level, it's more of a connectedness between my connection to source and like harmonizing my head and my heart and my intuition. So it's that living in alignment, but really integrating that and, and living like we live in a physical world. We, it's nice to get esoteric and I love all of that stuff. Um, but really marrying like heaven on earth, like how do we embody that being able to have those principles and live in that aligned space for ourselves? Um, that's actually my next that's my personal wanting to move forward, like to really bring that um, into my day-to-day life as often Mm -hmm. as I possibly can. Recognizing that we're human and, you know, (laughs) the things happen. Uh, Business-wise, I think it's just really wanting to share these words and to share about grief and like, let's have an open conversation about this. It doesn't have to be the big, scary thing, right? It's let's talk about it. We know that when we can openly discuss and have conversation about it. And a lot of what grief recovery is about is it's not just talking about and discovering new ways of looking at grief, but it's also the action steps to help us move through. And that's the piece sometimes that people get stuck in. A, we don't talk. And then when we do talk, sometimes it's only talking, but we need the action steps to actually help us move through that, that period of transition or change or loss that we're going through. So um, really for me, it's like having these conversations and, and recognizing like, it doesn't have to be deep, dark and heavy all the time that we can find the joy in the grief, that there's a duality that goes there. That's part of the human condition. And, um, and just letting people out seeing that they can allow themselves to move through that process in whatever way feels good for them. And, yeah. um, Yeah. And just to be able to share that on a bigger platform, like, thank you for inviting me for the podcast. So again, being able to share with podcasts and like public speaking, I really feel like I want it from a business perspective to do things more in person. Uh, I think we're missing that that connectedness. (laughs) Yeah. We're missing that connectedness. And and while zoom and all of these things are great, like you're on the West coast, on on the East coast, it, it makes this amazing to do that. And I appreciate the technology for that, but wow, we're just missing. That oh, that human, yeah, together. The, hum, the human contact. And we're yeah. actually, that's one of the things that we're extremely fortunate with where we are. So we get to have that. And it's still, right. it still feels isolating. I can't imagine what it would be like in a less connected space. Cause we really, we landed, God took care of us. We landed in a really good spot. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. yeah. So if you could on a, uh, on a note for all the people that are listening, Mm -hmm. share something that you do that potentially they could do for themselves, a personal habit or a daily routine that continues to contribute to your success. And I'm going to add one thing there. And that is, is in the process, if someone feels like, so first that second part is from a, if someone feels like they are grieving something, something that you could share that might help them. Um, Mm -hmm. if they're not ready to make that phone call to call you and Mm -hmm. schedule an appointment right away, um, that's something that they can do that would be of good benefit for them. 
Um, so first off, it sounds so cliche, but I'm going to say meditation. It's not cliche. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it was one of those things, even in my twenties, I always knew meditation would be good for me, but I had the classic monkey brain and could not do it. It's only been probably in the last four years that I've really, um, used it as, um, a regular part of my routine. Mm-hmm. And I noticed the difference if I'm off the wagon with it. Yeah. So it, it really, it's our way of connecting to ourself and it opens up so many things. So I would honestly like encourage people, even if you only just start off with five or 10 minutes a day to center yourself, to connect with yourself first, before you go out into the world and be who you want to be, find out who that is first. Right. And even if that, you know, moment of being connected to yourself only lasts for five minutes afterwards, it's five more minutes than you had from the day before. So for me, that's been life-changing. The second one, what I would say, well, I always say these four things when it comes to people that are moving through grief. It's like, first thing I want you to know is that you're not alone. Second thing that I want you to know is please honor your grief. It's there for a reason. It's there purposefully to help us move through this change that you're going through. The third is action is the key to your recovery, not time because time heals all wounds. We hear that all the time. And it's actually the action steps that we take within that time that help us through our grief. And it's never too soon or too late to heal your heart. And so what are the four, what were the action steps that you can take? Um, So that's where I would guide people through that. There's four specific action steps that we take, but, and they layer one upon themselves. So when people come and do grief recovery method, the um, three of our sessions are discovery. So we talk about the education around grief and like new languaging around it. And then the second half of the program is actually guiding you and taking these action steps. And I always lead. So I will always go first. Um, and there's lots of examples to help people through that. And what I will say is the process is simple. It's a very simple program, but it's not always easy. Yeah. And so um, it's I'm always open to having that conversation with people to see if it's something that's right for them mm-hmm. or if it's right for them at this time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And thank you so much for being here. And thank you everyone for listening Oh, we're going to have lots of great information uh, in the podcast information to get connected with Kirsten, to make that phone call, to reach out, to get the right support. And I just, I think that it's so great, the the work that you're doing. And so I just want everyone to remember that you are a miracle and remember that for the rest of this day and every day and have an amazing day. Thank you so much for listening.